1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Hey there, Mackie and Judd with Romy listeners. We're asking you to help us improve the listener experience of this show, whether it's segments, advertisements you hear, you name it. By going to scorenorth.com keyword MJR, and filling out a quick survey, you can help make the show better. Please help us cater this show and the ads to what you want. Scorenorth.com keyword MJR. And if you fill it out, Judd will give you an awkward bro hug next time he sees you, I promise.
1: I'm not mocking you, I just don't care. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three, it's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Another fake, more, all of day. Gonna let it fly, going for Tyreek
3: Hill.
4: He's got it. Touchdown, Kansas City. The one here for a
3: big game. Oh, look at this. Damian Williams.
0: Harrison Butker trying to be the hero. Game over.
1: The the defense did not deliver today. I could I could not believe. I mean, they made a couple great plays, but they just a lot of chunk and chunk and chunk after yards. It was just ah oh, guys. Okay, I'm Tom. Sorry. I, I can't it's even get together. It's going to be okay. Tom, yeah, be okay. I,
5: yeah. you need to take a very deep breath.
1: <laughs>
5: trying to help out. Ventline yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to help out.
2: Me and just Rami were people trendy. off the ledge. Yeah, that's, that's what, what we, we were doing. Uh, Judd actually sent the analytics of Ventline yesterday. You guys, uh, and Rami did his second postgame Ventline. You guys were on for just over an hour and
5: took 34 calls. Was it just over an hour? Was that it? It felt, it felt like a lot yeah, more. Yeah, we started at 310 and went to about 420 or so. Felt like longer. Man. Oh, because we took one break. That's right. Yeah. That's why.
2: Um, so. We're going to need you to be uh, the mediator here, Judd old because Rami and I already had near fisticuffs at the, at the fork in the road. Why would I want to be on Score North Live earlier today? Well, to I'm, I'm going to back out of the way, allow this to happen. Let what's happening? What's meant to happen? Come on. What,
5: what God means to happen is going to happen. Actually, no, have you ever seen, you guys ever seen
2: those? Uh, you know how there's like mixed martial arts, you put one guy, two guys beat each other's brains out in octagon. Well, they've got team mixed martial arts now. Have Are you seen serious? these videos on no. YouTube? I want where you, though. it turns into like, it's like five on five, but as soon as one guy taps out, now it's... Oh, two, oh somebody so now it's one. five yeah. on four. You got a power play. So what I'm asking Hockey Judd to term. do here is like, join a side <laughs> and pummel the other one here.
6: <laughs> okay, he well let's fit. hear the okay. arguments. All I said is this. I pulled up a tweet of Mackie's, one of many
2: that he tweeted out last night, going back and forth with Vikings <laughs> In- fans.
5: Including one asking people to dump on me. Yeah,
2: yeah. when people started dropping F-bombs at me because of a Kirk Cousins opinion, I'm like, that's meant for Judge Time, okay?
5: <laughs> and then Carly Zucker came in and bam!
2: Yeah.
6: <laughs> but his tweet reads, in part... Yes, the defense deserves blame. Yes, Mike Zimmer deserves blame. Pat Elfline, Dan Bailey, but here's a novel bleeping concept. How about the QB rises up and overcomes some adversity to win a tough game? Is that too much to ask? And my answer to that question is yes. No. Yes, that is too much to ask. That emphatically is way too much to ask. And you didn't even list all the things that he had to overcome. You just listed a few of them. You didn't even talk about... The offense, well, you did mention Pat Elfline. The offensive line as a whole was terrible. Delvin Cook literally did not get one yard before getting touched by a defender. Not one. Not a single yard. He never got to the line of of scrimmage without seeing a defender first. Your defense gave up 425 yards. Your star receiver went down in three plays. Your punter shanked one at the worst possible moment. Your kicker missed an extra point. Like he had to overcome everything. And he's not that guy. He is just not that guy. The answer to your question is that too much to ask? Yes.
2: Okay. Yes, it is. And I think I think people are, I think, I think my stance on this is being misconstrued as you can't blame Kirk Cousins for that loss yesterday. I'm not. I'm not. Although I could tell you, complete more than fifty percent of your passes against a bad defense, okay? Like like 50%. Don't overthrow Stefan Diggs for wide open touchdown, but I'm not even gonna go down that path. We'll do a pie chart of blame here before the segment's over. All I'm saying is, here is a list, okay? This is a list, the last year and a half in the NFL. So since Kirk Cousins put on a purple jersey, okay? Fourth quarter comebacks in the NFL. And there's going to be some obvious guys like Drew Brees is number one on this list with seven fourth quarter comebacks in the last year and a half in the NFL, all right? Deshaun Watson has seven fourth quarter comebacks, okay? Josh Allen has five. Josh Allen has five fourth-quarter comebacks in the last year and a half. Jared Goff has five. Derek Carr has four. Ryan Tannehill, you guys, Ryan bleeping Tannehill, has four fourth-quarter comebacks in the last year and a half, not in his career, in the last year and a half. Andy Dalton, who is just benched, has three. Baker Mayfield, who's going to get benched soon probably, has three. Kirk Cousins, when trailing in the fourth quarter as a Vikings quarterback, Mm -hmm. is 0-10-1. And And if you want to go up and down that list, do you think that like once in a while, of those five fourth quarter comebacks, Josh Allen didn't have perfect circumstances? Probably not very often. It's the Bills. Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill. Gonna guess that that guy didn't have a clean slate of a Hall of Fame offensive line and an amazing defensive performance, and yet he has permission and followed through four different times on fourth quarter comebacks. I am not saying Kirk Cousins is at fault for yesterday's loss. I am saying in a year and a half as the Vikings quarterback, not once, not once has he overcome adversity and imperfect circumstances to lead a team to victory. And yesterday, despite everything Rami just listed, and there's a lot more where that came from. Uh For God's sakes, if you're the punter, how about just kicking one 55 yards one time in that spot? So you're not giving the Seahawks, or you're not giving, um, leading my teams the together, Chiefs. the Chiefs, a short field instead. in that spot, okay? I like but like the caller
5: you just played.
2: Yeah, calm down. <laughs> you. I need you, but- I need you but- to it. pull it back a little but- bit. But when you have the ball yep. with two and a half minutes to go yep. and a tie game, you have permission, not just yesterday, but in all of these cases
5: to just win the game. Well, how about That's my beef. How about when when you have the ball with three point lead with I believe 7:25 left in the fourth quarter, you get the ball back and you're up on the road and it just basically is a time that demands that you have this sustained drive and E-clock and maybe get another score. And your first pass is at the feet of C.J. Ham, and I still don't understand why that was a pass. And then Delvin Cook gets thrown for a three-yard loss. Okay, that's on second down. That's unfortunate. And so now it's third down, 13, and somebody decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run Delvin for a draw play, and now it, the ball goes back to, to the Chiefs who come back down and tie the score against you.
2: Yeah, play uh, calling is definitely part of if, the discussion. For
5: what me. if I were to tell you both that I think you're both right here. I think you both have very good points. Yeah. And and But we, I'm more right, right? No, yeah. I th- no, I think this is a very nuanced <laughs> difficult conversation. I don't like draws. That I mean bo- to win or lose. Bo- Am less, I more right or you less right? You must like that third down play call. Right? Listen. This is where a sports dad can help out, okay? Even my two sons right here. This is where I can help you out. Guys, this is a nuanced conversation about a term, about a term that in 2019, it's hard, but it's acceptance. What we saw yesterday very well might be, in a nutshell, not just the 2019 Vikings, but the Kirk Cousins Vikings as well. Because Phil's right. You know what? It would be nice if Kirk Cousins could take that drive that I believe did start with 735 left in the fourth quarter and a three point lead. And you know what? Damn it. Move the ball down the field by hook or by crook. Don't care how eat up time because that's a game where you leave Arrowhead saying, Oh boy, did we, oh, did we pull that one out? But he couldn't. To Rami's point, you know what? We've seen nothing, unfortunately, from an $84 million investment that leads us to believe he can do that. So how about Trey Waynes breaks up a pass? How about the secondary, which right now, to me, in in the Zimmer era, I have never been as concerned about that. The pass defense, the calling card of the head coach, right? How about the run blocking works? All year long, we've been like, well, the pass protection is not good. It's improved the last four games, but you know what? Damn it, you got the run blocking, right? The run blocking. Rami said it. Dalvin Cook didn't get past the line of scrimmage before getting touched on one carry.
2: Yeah. Actually, the fact that he got seventy plus yards after hearing that stat—that he was
5: yes, he was hit in the backfield every time—it's incredible. Amazing. and he still gets seventy some but yards. How about this, guys? It might be acceptance here, and and right now, I've accepted the fact that the Vikings might be a playoff team because I don't think the conference is that good. But as far as the conversation of Niners and Saints, to me, they're out right now. And I don't see how you can look at Dallas in primetime on Sunday or in what, a month or so, three weeks, Seattle, on a Monday night and feel confident.
2: But see, this is the thing. Like I would, I would take what you just said, and this is why the Vikings are so hard to deal with this season, last season, and maybe even in the, in the previous three of Mike Zimmer, in that they're not going to get blown out. I don't, I mean, I I would be shocked if they got blown out by the Cowboys. Agreed. They're good enough to be in these games, but there's some, whether it's something from Mike Zimmer on down or whether it's implanted in Kirk Cousins' DNA, we know that it is. There's just a chip missing when it comes to these types of games. And by these types of games, I mean road, tough opponent, grass is a thing for Mm -hmm. the Vikings. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Vikings do not have a good record on grass. In fact, I think they're winless in their last handful of years on grass against winning opponents. Um but they're not the Browns, you know? Like they're in these games and they've got this record. There's they're six and three right now. They're a game out of the division lead and yet they just feel so far away after a game like yesterday from being able to throw punches on the same level as the Saints and, and what the Niners and are doing this. I year.
6: don't know everything that Kirk Cousins had to overcome and didn't in those other nine losses that he's suffered when trailing in the fourth quarter since becoming a Viking. But I just know that yesterday, he had way too much to ask that guy to overcome. Forget about the salary for a second, because that's not what you paid for. You paid for an upgrade at quarterback. That was the market price for an upgrade at quarterback at that time. But you weren't getting a guy who was going to overcome the decline of this defense that we've seen. You weren't getting a guy who was going to overcome failures in all three phases of your football team. That's not the guy you were getting when you signed Kirk Cousins. And if that's what you were expecting, you should know by now that that's not the guy. You should have learned that lesson by now if you didn't know it
5: when the news broke that he signed a three-year, $84 million contract with your football team. I think the disappointing thing is this. Let's say Chicago in Week 4 was just a clunker, okay? Just a bad game. Teams are going to have bad games. Mm -hmm. They, They lose, unfortunate. See you later, bye. Um, Green Bay and yesterday strike me as the type of of games on the road that you win, and it's ugly, and you probably trail at times, and you depart the stadium saying, oh, did we pull that one out? But you won it, and that's how you win 11, 12, 13 games. This team doesn't feel like it has the mental aptitude, and it lacks that chip, to, to your point, Phil, to get that win, and that's the type of win that when you get, you say to yourself, okay, this translates to potential playoff success. Mm-hmm. And I don't sense that from them. I just don't. Yeah, That might be them. I mean, like, everything, I can
2: I can even forgive just some of the stuff, like, there's certain things that just happen in the NFL. You go on the road, it's harder to communicate, your offensive line looks different than it does at home. You know, so your, your offensive line's at a disadvantage. You're playing against... Uh, a defensive front that was wonderful yesterday. Like, there are certain things I'm just going to chalk up to. They're not going to play perfectly in situations like that all the time. But does your veteran kicker have to miss an extra point in that spot? Does your veteran punter have to shank one with two minutes to go no. in the game? No. Like, what are you? Are you serious, dude? You're gonna like that's when you're gonna shank one. And so I don't want it to mis- misconstrued. And I just <laughs> I had to, finally had to just shut my phone off last night. People were. Uh, People were not happy with my Kirk Cousins uh, opinions after that game She's yesterday, but it's how I feel
5: influencing those opinions. Uh, I had t- a couple of white
7: claws. Uh-huh. A
2: couple of white
6: claws. Bill Mackey for white claw here. <laughs> when I'm
7: mad, <laughs> when I'm angrily tweeting about Kirk Cousins, don't white claw punch
6: tweet,
2: G. man. Don't white claw and tweet. <laughs> but I think I think my my main two takeaways are: you're there's a lot of things to blame, a lot of different facets of the Vikings game that fell apart yesterday, but. Your quarterback shouldn't be expected to always pull out those games. This is where I differ from Rami. Should he be expected to pull out 1-11, in 2-11, 3-11? But that's
6: not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about yesterday.
2: He had he a, a chance yesterday, too. If you want to
6: go through the 11 games, I'll go through the 11 games with you. And we'll see how many of them Kirk Cousins realistically could have overcome and won for his football team. I'm just telling you, yesterday... When you have multiple failures in all three phases of your football team, don't ask Kirk Cousins to overcome that. Don't. You're just, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment.
2: 651-646-8255. And, oh, by the way, this is a huge show. P.J. Fleck is going to join in about 15 minutes because uh, there's a football game at TCF Bank Stadium that's going to have a lot of chips on the table. Penn State and Gophers. We'll talk to P.J. in about 15 minutes.
5: Your stat is this. The Vikings are winless in 14 games outdoors on the road, versus a team with a winning record since 2014, 13 and 1 and they lose by an average of 10 points a game. Oof. That's your stat.
2: It's amazing. It's not I'd love a study and I'm sure there's been studies on teams that primarily play indoors and on field turf. I mean, you're just so used to playing in that environment for at least half your games and you probably get a couple road games that are in that environment too. So, like, the Vikings play at Detroit, same environment. And then you go what maybe three or four times a year. Chicago is one of them. Green Bay is one of them. Yep. And then a couple other stops. And it's different. Like you're practicing on field turf. You're playing games on field turf. So I could see how you'd be at a disadvantage. But those are pretty good Vikings teams that haven't won a game. I mean, we're not talking about fourteen games. It's not like there's two years in that mix where they've just been garbage. They've been a playoff team for the majority of that time, or at least a, a playoff flirtation. All right, who do you blame? Primarily for yesterday's loss. Our phone lines are blown up right now. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Uh let's go to Ryan and Fargo.
1: Ryan, you're on with Mackie Judd and Rami. Hey guys, I figured being it's getting close to the holiday season, I got a nice piping hot pie chart pie char to blame for you guys wow. for um yes that's just I'm just generous like that.
2: Hold on a second. And, Let's make this official.
4: Now on Mecky and Judd. This chart
3: uh, makes it as clear as I can to you.
4: The pie chart of blame. Do
1: you want to blame somebody
4: That's an
2: oldie but a goodie right there, but we're ready to rock. Go ahead, Ryan. Appreciate it. Um
1: I would give twenty five percent to Kirk Cousins, I would give twenty five to the defense, twenty five to special teams. And 25 to Mike Zimmer. And I know I have brought this up to you guys either on Twitter or over the phone. When is he going to start being held accountable for these big games uh, gaffes?
2: Thank you for the call. Where are you guys at with Mike Zimmer and his role I, in losses like I, this? I said coming into the game that this would be a test.
6: This would be a challenge even without Patrick Mahomes at quarterback because Andy Reid is that good in offensive mind. That being said... Whatever test was placed in front of Mike Zimmer and his defense, they failed yesterday. They failed that test. And for Mike Zimmer, who's supposed to be sort of the Andy Reid of defense, that, that veteran defensive mind, but who changes with the times, who makes adjustments and adaptations to keep his defense fresh and effective. He got torched for 425 yards yesterday with their MVP quarterback standing on the sidelines. Like that's the, like I said, The test that they faced yesterday, to me, the defense failed it. And that falls
5: on Mike Zimmer. Past defense did, for sure. Absolutely. That was awful. Uh, I I think the answer to the caller's question is this. This question will be answered in full in January of 2020. Because if this is not a playoff team, I think jobs are lost. If this is a nine-win team, that might be... See ya. Um, So... It's disturbing. It's disturbing that that this team for the last 2 years to me has become much more soft in some ways. It's disturbing that you can't go you're up in KC. And KC's a nice team, but you know, without Patrick Mahomes, they're not a great team, and you have every chance to get the ball and win that game and you can't. So if this continues to trend to okay, Dallas primetime loss, Seattle primetime loss. And this thing end, ends at eight or nine wins. I think the answer to the caller's question is this. Mike's job might be done. Boy, it's it a, might not be fair, but I, I think that's... If this team... The problem is, guys, we're nine games in, and I can't tell you still enough about the direction that I think this team is going. And right now, if anything, I feel it's not probably all that positive. We're not and this team is in a window right now to win. It's not the Wolves, right? The Wolves is like, oh, okay, the culture looks better and blah blah and it's gonna be great. mm -hmm. This is in the midst of three year contract with QB with a defense that's supposed to be good. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you can beat bad, you can beat mediocre bad teams. That's what I'm thinking. Here's my pie chart. All right. Mm -hmm. Just
2: thinking about this. I'm gonna go I have I have four pieces of pie. All right, and I'm gonna give fifteen percent to Kirk Cousins. Yeah, not not a hundred percent. I
5: gave more to Kirk
2: Cousins. Than was, that. I'm giving for this game for this game okay, right here. I'm, I'm giving fifteen percent. He wasn't. He didn't throw an interception. He didn't fumble anything away. It wasn't a complete disaster. Yep. He missed a handful of easy throws, including a touchdown to Stefan Diggs that would have widened the gap. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think people are looking at the three touchdowns, no interceptions, and like he was. He was good in the red zone. So uh, not a great performance. Not a train wreck. What I'm asking is in general. It's okay to go above and beyond when when other things aren't perfect and bail out your teammates. And he doesn't really do that. But I'm going to give him 15% of the blame. I'm going to give 15%. And this is eye test only. I have not seen a PFF grade or anything. I test only. Pat Elfline himself gets 15% of the blame. Quit getting forklifted up in the air and thrown into your quarterback. Just, One just, time, man. Just, 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 come he got on. Choked, okay? I felt bad for him. <laughs> come on. I literally felt bad for him watching that yesterday. Like, who's that 300 pound man being flown through the air from. Uh, from the line of scrimmage back into his quarterback. Oh, it's Pat Elfline again. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Pat Elfline getting lifted off the ground by a defensive tackle. Um I'm gonna go forty percent pie chart of blame, Zimmer and defense all kind of jumbled together. You could also even throw I, I you could throw play calling in here, but I uh, Judd knows like I'm not a offensive play calling, come on, don't don't stay they, away. It, I, it was not good. I didn't love okay, all right. Forty percent Zimmer defense. I'll go ten percent play calling. Okay. They came out of the gate. I didn't love coming out of the gate with a bunch of pass plays. I I would have said, and again, like I'm not in the meeting rooms, but I would have said, listen, this is a terrible run defense as proven coming into the game. I would start the game trying to jam the ball down their throats Uh until they prove otherwise, and then I go pass off of that. Uh I don't know if that would have made a difference. And then 20% to Bailey and Colquitt. Because if Dan Bailey doesn't miss an extra point, it's not as easy for the Chiefs to tie the game with a field goal to make it 23-23. That game might be completely different if they have to go for a touchdown Mm -hmm. and they stall out in the red zone. Maybe they go for it. From, like, the five-yard line, and now you get the ball back? And then, come on, dude, like, how about not shanking a punt, like I said, with the game on the line? And Colquitt
6: line. was having an amazing game at that point. Like, I remember Judd and I sitting in here going... Coward tweeted, he's the MVP of the yeah, game. and we agreed. Yeah, I know we were before line going, Colquitt's been the best player in this game for the Vikings.
5: <laughs> he literally, he was. Can I give you an, another coaching aspect that's really starting to fray my nerves, too, from Zim? Is this grinding your gears yes. or fraying your nerves? It's fraying it's on my nerves because I'm so tired of this. Halftime, right? Mm-hmm. Zim comes out, and uh, Pam Oliver, who was the sideline reporter for Fox, goes up to him and, hey, Mike, your thoughts? And he comes out with the old, well, we got really cute on offense, passed too much, we got to run the ball more. Okay, he might be right, but Mike, you're the head coach of this team. At some point in time, and, and this also is for four quarters, and this to me, of all of the mysteries or all of the things that frustrated you on Sunday, okay, this to me is the greatest mystery out there. Stephon Diggs. Four targets, one catch, four yards. Laquan Treadwell had more of everything. Yeah,
2: I mean, is it possible, again, having not yet broken down the all-22, uh, and I, there are other people smarter than me, Matthew Collar and say Rosenfell, who so do that around here? Is it possible that the Chiefs, after Adam Thielen was out, just basically said, "I mean, Stephon Diggs, have fun," but you're not, you're Collar not. Collar told, told me uh,
5: on the post game uh, on the Purple Daily post game podcast, Collar, because I asked the question, and Collar said they basically had him running deep routes throughout. Which to me, the second half, you got to say, "Oh, okay." Try, try three or four of them, right? And I mean, Stephon, well, but no, but or have Diggs run short routes. I I am going to have Kirk Cousins. Throw the ball to Diggs if it's a ten yard pass, if it's a slant route. And are you telling me are you telling me that Stefan Diggs, who I consider to be at the very least, a top ten wide receiver in this league, if he's covered well, can't catch those? Is
2: Diggs going on the podcast tonight or tomorrow? Like like to Diggs po- gonna what? Uh,
5: like to apologize Diggs get to Stefan. I'd too. like to apologize to you. I was just it was just I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway. But I'm so tired of Mike, the head coach, telling us we got too cute. Yeah. Well that's that's you, Mike. Six five one
2: six four six eight two five five Mackie and Jubb with Rami. If you're new to the show, thank you for listening. You can find us in podcast form on the Score North app or anywhere you find podcasts, Apple or Spotify, a couple of good places. Randy in Cottage Grove. Hello,
4: Randy. Who, who who's the guy uh, from your your group there who is just uh, make uh, saying some talking some smack about uh, Airline? Uh, I think that was me, That's right? Rocky, was yeah. that me? Yeah, that was me, Randy. Well, he's a stud. He's a he's a he's a real he's a kick-ass lineman. You look when we didn't oh. have him in, it was even worse. Okay, so you 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 just be careful what you wish for, okay? Randy.
2: Uh, were you were you watching the same game that we were watching yesterday? Are you watching the same that, that, Pat Elf line?
4: He was not. That isn't even where the problems were start started. Uh, started. Uh, I know a lot of people like to blame Kirk. Kirk, I'll just say right now to you because. If you're listening, you look great, buddy, okay? You were a little geeked up on some of those throws. You had a little mustard, little just a little too much mustard on a couple of them. Just kind of sailed a couple of them. But he didn't throw any. I, I, maybe, you, maybe you weren't watching the game I was watching. Did, did, I'm sorry, did you see Kirk Cousins uh, turn over the ball yesterday?
6: He uh, did not turn over the ball. Oh,
4: okay, no. no, you know, you know who did make a bozo play, and I'm. This is the guy you want to do a pie of a, of a who who's getting the the pie. Here, here's who's getting it in my in my world. Uh, Brighton Coltschmidt is terrible, terrible. Who? He, he who's that? Came out there. What? Who? who? Brian Bright, Brighton Coltschmidt, uh, Colch, Colch, Schmidt, the the punter. Oh, came out there. Yes.
5: Schmidt. He he he. he
4: He looked pretty good for most of the day. I'll give him his due. But when the the money was on the line, when the chips were all in the middle of the table, okay? You like your your poker analogies. I can talk. I can do that. When when the chips were in the middle of the table, what does he do? He tries to get cute. He tries to say, I ain't going to kick it over uh, uh, to uh, 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 what's-his-face Hill. I ain't going to kick it over to him because I don't want to get beat that way. Well, you know what you did, Brighton? You got us beat by trying to get cute, trying to go for the, 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 the sidelines. Ever heard of a little thing in punting called the coughing corner? Okay? Feel free to give it some muscle. Feel free to stick a little leg into it, Brighton. Okay? It ain't even that hard. Okay? I, I, I've i done I've it. Punted in, in rec leagues just for fun. I don't play football anymore, but when I did, I, I could, anybody who needed to could punt. Where's the punter? Oh, he's in the John. Well, just get anybody to do it. It's not hard. And this guy goes out there, booming them all day, and then when the money's on the line, he flips over his cards and he's got a couple of just seven deuce offsuit. That was a jack, it, it was a terrible punt. And, and he got cute, and that gave them the ball with perfect field position. I ain't going to blame anybody but that guy. And Zim, if you want to kick his ass off the squad, I'm fine with that. And Brighton, you want to do a one-on-one, a little punter-on-punter, I'll give me a week to stretch, and I will boom it way further than you, right into the coffin corner. That's what you do in this league. Hmm.
6: I mean, Brighton Coldschmidt did not get the job done. No. He just didn't get the job no. done. No. He actually has a point there. About Brighton Coldschmidt? Well, the punting. I mean, it shouldn't be that tough. They just boom it down there. The coffin corner. Brighton. Paid to do. I'd like to see Randy with a week of stretching. Get out
2: there. I'm good. See if he you get
6: out cold Coldschmidt. I was going to say, good. don't
5: ask for that. You. <laughs> That's not something you, you uh, really want to ask for. I don't want him to rip his Zubas. I want to see it. I'm sorry. I want sure, to see it. I'm sure he'd punch in his uh, number four farv Viking jersey that he wore to the state fair that one time. Whatever it takes. righty Well, PJ
2: Flex going to join the show when we come back here.
5: How's he going to top that? I don't know. Are you sure he's still
6: going to join the show?
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, don't nobody tell PJ what just happened there. Okay. And uh, yeah. nothing makes us feel better after a depressing day of Vikings football then making fun of the other teams around the NFC North, and they give us plenty of opportunities. We don't even just have Packer vent line today, Bears vent line. We've got NFC North vent line to get to at some point during the show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. PJ Fleck will join us when we come back. And speaking of Gophers football, one of the proud sponsors of Gophers football is Federated Mutual Insurance Company, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. Been around since the early 1900s helping business owners, not only in the state of Minnesota, but around the country, helping business owners maximize their business and also giving business owners peace of mind so that you know you can actually have a life and you can actually focus on growing your business and not be uh, paralyzed by fear with potential bad things that could happen. It's really helpful to have somebody with experience standing behind you and helping you run that business smoothly so that you can focus on the things that matter. And by the way... Uh, that partnership with the U of M turnovers for kids, every force turnover by the Gophers defense federated donates a thousand dollars to big brothers and big sisters. They combine their charitable uh, culture with helping people and helping companies grow to the max. Go to the website, federated com and you can find out more about the industries federated protects. And you can find out more about your local federated marketing representative federated. It's our business
8: to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. The Twins, if you missed the news, extended a qualifying offer to Jake Odorizzi Odorizzi that amounts to $17.8 million for the 2020 season. He now has 10 days to accept or reject the offer. You can read Derek Wetmore's analysis of that over at ScoreNorth.com. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to Mackie and Jeb with Rami. All right,
2: Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North app. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's a football game this weekend in town. Uh, the Gophers play Penn State, and they're both undefeated. And I think it's... I, I was born in 1985, graduated from the U of M in 2007. It's the biggest college football game that I can remember in the state of Minnesota. And P.J. Fleck, Rami Makloff. Is new to the Twin Cities as of last January. And uh, I think this would be a great time for you to put into perspective to somebody new on the sports scene here the magnitude of this game this weekend at TCF Bank Stadium.
1: Well, there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, one, you know, we talk about to our players that we want to be 1 0 in this season. It's a Penn State season, it's a national championship season, conference championship season. It's the biggest game of the year. Why? Because it's the next one. But last week during the bye week, we did address it. I think it's really important for our fans to know in the state of Minnesota know that this is one of the biggest games uh, in program history. You know, this is uh, – we're, we're talking about since World War II and the 60s have things like this happened before. And I think when you're starting to talk about the 40s and 50s and 60s, that's what we wanted to restore. You know, the whole theme for this year was restore our traditions, and that's what we want to be able to do. And, you know, we've had seven national championships, 18 Big Ten championships. They just haven't happened for over 50-plus years. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to restore those things. So that's our mission. It's a huge game. Penn State's a phenomenal football team. 8-0. We're 8-0. You couldn't ask for anything better. And who wants a championship run to be easy? This is what it's all about when you hit November. Ranked teams playing each other. It couldn't get much better than this in TCF Bank Stadium, that's for sure. Did you have a timeline when you got here to
6: Minnesota? And did you think you'd be playing games this big this early on in your tenure at Minnesota? Or are you you ahead of the pace that, that you set when you first took this job?
1: You know, I think it's really hard to always say where you are where you are, um, in terms of ahead of pace, behind the pace. We knew that this was going to take time no matter what. We have a certain way of doing things. We have a certain process of how we rebuild programs, and it's in place. Uh, 80% of our team is still freshmen and sophomores, so most people think that we're a little ahead of schedule, but it just shows the talent that we're bringing in here and the recruiting success we're having, but also it shows the 11 seniors that we really have who are playing a lot of football for us have been through a lot and they have embraced their past to create their future and really done a great job of leading these young guys so we're exactly where we're supposed to be period we're exactly where uh, we are supposed to be where we think we're supposed to be because we're here and um we just need to take advantage of every single day we have
5: so pj how do you weigh uh for you and your team in particular enjoying this week and the magnitude of this game and sort of absorbing it and enjoying what goes on around it while also maintaining a complete focus on Penn State and that game on Saturday morning?
1: You know, I was taught a long time ago, when you have really successful people really successful teams, one of the sicknesses they have is the ability not to appreciate where they are or the ability to always think it's never good enough. When you are at a position that we're in as a football team, you've got to celebrate the moments. So celebrate the moments. help in that nothing's ever good enough, that type of, that, that type of sickness that, that, that really successful people and successful teams have. So we celebrate. I mean, every Saturday in our locker room, it is like a huge party. Sundays in our team meeting, leading up to our team meeting, is a huge party, a celebratory uh, fashion. And we also talk about exactly where we're at, honestly. We talk about the outside noises. We bring it into our culture. We dissect it, and then we spit it back out from our culture's perspective. Because you cannot ignore what's happening. I think if you ignore what's happening, I only get the kids two hours a day. After they leave us, they will listen to the other 22 hours of what people are telling them. If you're not celebrating the moment, if you're not educating them of what to do next, if you're not if your culture's not strong enough to absorb all of it and then spit it back out the way you want them to handle it. So that's how we're doing it. We're celebrating it. We're not ignoring it. and But then we're looking at it as one-game seasons and changing our best and renewing that every Sunday.
2: Uh, P.J. Fleck with us here. Gophers Penn State this upcoming weekend, Saturday, 11 o'clock, National TV, ABC. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. Um, I, I, I want to ask you about something I, I hear in clips. I've heard in locker room speeches I think a lot of people refer to don't be afraid to fail, but you talk a lot about not being afraid to succeed or, as, as you've put it before, not being afraid to be legendary or, uh, or however you want to put it. Can you elaborate on that? When you, when you tell your players don't be afraid of success, where does that come from and what does that mean?
1: Well, it's all about how you define success. right? The way we define success is the peace of mind you get from knowing you did everything you can to be the best you could be as long as you change your best. Right, so that's how we define success, and that's really John Wooden's definition of it. Uh, and when we talk to our team, you know, we haven't won a championship in over fifty plus years. You know, there's going to be a team that comes along that ends that streak, and why can't that be us somehow, someway? And when you do that, you set your you, you set your name in stone in the legacy of Minnesota Golden Gopher football. But there's a lot of people out there that are really scared of success because they're scared of failing. You can't have success without adversity and a lot of failing. The only thing you can't do is quit. And so if you quit, you'll never become legendary. You'll never succeed. But if you continue to fail and grow, you can have a life of success somehow, some way. And if you have enough of it and you're consistent enough, somehow, some way, you can stamp your legacy on the program. And that's what we want our players to do here.
6: So in your eyes, there is no ceiling for the Minnesota football program. National championship is the ceiling for the Minnesota football program in your eyes.
1: I truly believe that. And I know people will mock that, make fun of that. I will not not stand down from that ever. Uh, That is the expectation. We want to run a national championship program. We run a national championship program academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually. And we won't come down from that. Will that take a while for that to happen? Sure, it will. Could that be this year? That that's that's meant to be seen, uh, but we have that expectation when we are going to run our program that way, and we're going to have that type of expectation in everything that we do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
5: So I'm almost fifty, PJ. I follow Go for Football since 1978, and, and obviously you've seen um, the fact that this team has not been to World's Bowl, I think it was since January of '63. Talking to me, give give me the pitch for why a person my age or thereabouts shouldn't be. Apprehensive because you know, when it comes to this program, it's had some good moments before for sure, and but it always seems like they fall short. What's your pitch to people like me who say, Oh boy, it's getting scary?
1: Every year is its own entity, and comparisons steal your joy. I mean, if you're going to compare us to what has happened in the past, then you'll never be with us, you'll never be on, you'll never be all in. The dream is in the journey, right? And so, the fun part about this whole thing is. The whole process of the whole season already. It was, the, it was the fun back in January. It was recruiting. It was signing day. It was a whole spring ball. It was all of our summer workouts. It was training camp. It was our work on the field, off the field, in the classroom. Everything's led us to this point right now. And, and when you have a championship program and you have somebody that really wants to be a part of that, the joy is the journey because once you win and once you win a championship, People are then going to say, well, can you do it again next year? There will immediately be criticism, there will immediately be critics, and there's going to be immediate expectation for the next year. So you've got to learn to enjoy the ride. And just because things happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again. And that means that can keep happening, 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 and then there's going to be that one team that stops it. And this is a really special team. Is this the one that stops it? That's meant to be seen later on. But you've got to enjoy the journey of becoming a champion. And I think this is a really – Unique program, a unique culture, and a unique style of making that happen—that really will embrace anybody of all ages: old, young, middle age. uh, People who've seen championships, haven't seen championships. People who moved in here, who have been from here their entire life. No matter what age, or, or or religion, or male or female that you are, you can all be a part of our program and culture because. That roll the bolter can touch every area of everybody's life, and it's not just about football.
2: Unless you're a college game day executive, in which case you're no longer, you're not even invited anymore. <laughs> Bleep those guys, PJ. There's still a chance, though. The Wisconsin game, there's still a chance sometime this year for game day to show up to town.
1: Oh, there absolutely. There's a lot of chances. There's chances in the future. You know, this is, we want to have high expectations here. We want to be able to bring that Minnesota culture back, that championship way back. And when you do that, people will come. How could you turn down one and two? It's a game of the century. It's undefeated teams. I get that. I understand that. That doesn't mean it's the only opportunity we're going to have in the future. So uh, whether this year or years to come, we know we have a very unique environment here. We have a very unique city. And one of these days, we'd love to share that with the, uh, the whole country. PJ, do
6: you have this energy in just your day-to-day life? Because I love it. I just can't imagine, like when you go to make dinner at night with your wife, do you bring this type of row-the-boat energy into let's let's make the best dinner we can possibly make and not set any ceiling on how great this dinner can be? Is this is this just how PJ Fleck lives
1: life? It truly is. People always ask, are you always like this? And I respond, uh, like what? I have no idea what people are talking about. Who I am, and I'm not afraid to be myself. And uh, you know, like I said, I'm not for everybody, and uh, that's okay. I don't want to be for everybody. Uh, I, I'm going to be myself. I want our players to be themselves. I want to be the best version of themselves, and that's what I want to be able to hopefully teach them through how I live my life. Um, but in terms of Heather and I cooking at night, she's Italian. Um, I don't have much say of what gets cooked or how it gets cooked. And I would consider myself a great griller. Every guy, in the, every guy in the world thinks they can do two things, right? They can grill and coach football. But I, I, I think I'm really good. But I live with an Italian, and she has even taken over that responsibility. So you can imagine how the cooking or the grilling goes in our house. And I, just, I pretty much submit at this point.
2: Well, you've uh, you've hit on one of Rami's three favorite foods. Italian is one of them. Uh, Mexican and free. Yeah, free is, free yeah. is my favorite. <laughs> Which kind
5: is of food, PJ. media entity, right? Personified <laughs> will always take free food, PJ. Sure. Hey, last thing. Uh, as a longtime um, follower of sports in, in this town, seen lots of things here including coaches being linked to different jobs when they're successful. What would you tell me about the fact that, you know, with with the for success, your name's uh, already come up with Florida State. It's going to come up with probably other top jobs that are going to become available here in the coming weeks. How confident should we be that P.J. Fleck is not going to abandon us because the Minnesota sports fan always very concerned about being abandoned, P.J.?
1: Well, first of all, the success that comes to our program that is national right now is, is well-deserved for our whole state. And I think any time you're getting any type of exposure, no matter what it is, whether it's the players, whether it's the team, whether it's the coach, I think it's really healthy uh, for the whole university in general. But I'm focused on Penn State, period. And I expect to be here a very long time. Uh, I love working with Mark Coyle in our administration, and President Gable is an absolute rock star. And uh, Heather and I love living here, especially with our children. Uh, it's a very special place.
2: P.J. Fleck, Gophers Penn State, 11 a.m. kickoff, TCF Bank Stadium this Saturday, ABC. We appreciate the time, and uh, enjoy this week, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having us on the show. Row the boat, Sky Ma, go Gophers. Thanks. All right. all right.
2: So that was we caught up with him a little bit earlier in the day, and uh, that was great. It was That's the first time P.J. Fleck has been on this show, at least going back to the – I think the last time we had him on, Mackie and Judd, the old version of the show, was probably like the week he got hired. So uh no, we had a one when on. we
5: were in training camp right before the season started 2 years ago You're right yeah that's right yeah we three had 3 the... years ago yeah. whatever the Vikings last year Mankato was
2: So real quick before we get back to some Viking things I I, I want to get your pie charts of blame for yesterday's loss mm-hmm. too the Florida State stuff or let me just tee it up this way percent chance if they if they finish the season uh as Big 10 West Division champions and they play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, and then they play in a fairly big time bowl game. Percent chance PJ is gone after this year. I think it's pretty low still. I think he's. I think you. I think he's going to see this through. Is your for guy a Brian
5: Kelly ago. gone or no?
2: Um, that's a. Do you
5: think he, if I'm, my answer? They're, com-
2: they're they're like a bad loss or two away from making that
5: move. My answer completely changes if the Notre Dame job opens up. Right now, with the jobs that are opened, I think he gets a huge raise here. I, I think he might. Uh, His representatives might certainly use the opportunities that are out there to point out that they can, that they'll be at the top of a lot of lists. Notre Dame job opens up, I think he might be gone. If it does not, Brian Kelly is still there, then I think he stays. So I think about a 10%, 5% chance he leaves if the status quo maintains right now. If the Notre Dame job opens up, he's gone. He's if he's paid. offered it, but I think he, He'll be I think it would work there. Yeah. I think he would work there. He they can would, recruit really well. His offensive mind is really good. Notre Dame would
2: probably make a run at Urban Meyer before they made a run at. Because think about this: like if you're firing Brian Kelly or buying out Brian Kelly, a guy who brought you to a national championship game, yeah. a guy who's brought you to the college football oh, playoff. Yeah. Yep, you're going to go with the most sure thing you can possibly get. You're desperate. Notre Dame is desperate for a national championship. Because they hear all the chirping, too. And there's a lot of validity. I'm a huge Notre Dame guy, but there's a lot of validity to it. I just don't think, I'm not saying they wouldn't be interested in PJ. I just don't think that they would fire Brian Kelly to go after PJ as their number one candidate. If Urban Meyer is interested. Does Meyer have
5: too much baggage, though, now? I was just going to say, Notre Dame is probably
2: beyond caring
5: at this point. If that's the case, you might be right.
6: A Catholic institution (laughs) is going to bring in that dude.
5: Yeah. And, he's, and that baggage. He really seems like a first I mean, class creep, right? So, so many easy
2: I know.
6: angles
5: to take I in, know. But, but you don't, yeah, it, it, as a
2: guy who grew up yeah. very much Irish Catholic, I'm, I'm not Irish, Irish, but
6: also grew up very Catholic. <laughs> and, uh, I have plenty of family members who don't like to hear about any of that stuff that you're referring to, sure. but. You don't invite it. Like, they didn't invite
5: that stuff to happen. Brian Kelly. uh, But it's a PR. But if you do it, what's the PR hit compared to the... And they might not care. I don't know. But I just think that Fleck, his demeanor, uh, the the fact that he's a really good coach, can recruit, is attractive.
2: This is just not... You're going to have opportunities... And you're only going to bring in better players. The, the, this season is only going to springboard your recruiting beyond what it already is. The only good things are going to come in terms of player recruitment and visibility for PJ Fleck and the program. I don't think this is the off season to worry about. And
5: don't it. forget too. Let's see the next
2: four games for sure. Like if they the next four games win three are out everything. of four and yeah, for sure everything. So all right, back if to the Vikings. Pasadena, here. If
5: you're in Pasadena, it'll be pretty interesting.
2: Um, it will be. It will be. But, again, these are all good problems to have. I don't want to see him leave because I think it's... Mackie doesn't want to think about it, too. It this is this you. Is you're our so Lou Holtz. scared! This is our Lou Holtz. This is my generation's Lou Holtz. I know, but you're what so... What Lou Holtz was to,
5: to you but guys... But you know what? Just like PJ said, success scares you because it's so incomprehensible that the Gophers might be... I'm not saying national championship. I'm saying defaulting... To the Rose Bowl, which by the way, would be tremendous.
2: We need to get this is where I'm with PJ for sure. Like we need to get out of this scarcity mindset of, well, what if this is this? No. Embrace all of the things that come along with getting to the next level. And if that means coaches leave, who cares? Embrace it. Let coaches be let coaches use this as a springboard. It just means that the program's in a better spot than it would have been. Do you think that's how he ends every phone call? Yes. It is. Those just roll off the tongue so easily, so quickly for him. Like, you mean even <laughs> like with family members?
8: Yeah. Like he's talking to his oh, sister
2: or yeah. brother. Oh, yeah. I think he
8: ends all his press conferences that way, too. He does.
2: Roll the boat, sky ma, go Gophers. Yep. Yeah. He ends everything that way. So uh, okay. we'll see you at uh, 10 o'clock for the family reunion. Yep. Roll the boat, sky ma, go Gophers. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best, man.
6: <laughs> okay, Mr. Fleck, I've confirmed your appointment is for uh, 10 a.m. Thursday morning. <laughs> all all
5: right. 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 Sounds good. <laughs> The book, <laughs> on. Go, go first. I'm willing to say there's a ninety eight percent chance that every phone call that that man's on ends like that. He's uh
2: he's he's he's, he's fun, man. So what uh, what are your pie charts? Your pie charts are blame for the Vikings yesterday.
6: Are oh, you out this right now? Yeah, let's do it. Um <laughs> See, I can't put more than like Ten percent tops on Kirk. And I might even put it at five because Look at this. I'm the one I'm like I Don't worry, I take care of it. It's great. I'm doing I'm I do- come off the top rope. I'm measuring performance versus expectations. And I don't expect Kirk to overcome everything that was presented to him and the Vikings yesterday. So I'm putting like you know, j- just to be as specific as Judd, because I don't know his whole pie chart. I just know Royce told me in the hallway he had 11% for somebody. And I was like, that's very specific. So It's I'm, a whole group. I'm going to put... I got 11% for a whole group. In the spirit of Judd, I'm going to put 7%. Wow! <laughs> um, yeah, Pat told me today. <laughs> you can't do that. 7% on Kirk Cousins. And now it's a math test for me as I try to figure out what the rest of my pie looks like. 7% for Kirk Cousins. I'm going to put, just to make this easier for me... 33% on coaching. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get it to an even 40. 40%, which is a lot easier math from here on out. So 33% on coaching. 40% on the defensive performance as a whole and then like 20% on special teams. The combination of uh what did Randy call the punter? Um uh B- Brighton uh Coldschmidt. Him,
5: yeah. him, and Dan Bailey. It's actually not a bad name. They get Brighton uh, bad name. They get the other twenty percent. Sounds like a beer.
2: I feel like Brighton Coldschmidt is like an Irish family and a Polish family. Mary and actually, I left out the O line. They got to get like yeah.
6: ten percent. Come on, man,
2: I don't know, man. Just so wait. So you had what was your eleven percent today?
6: So I, I try to blame.
5: I divvied this into one, two, three, four, six pieces, and I combined some. I gave Cousins 25% because he's still the quarterback here. I can't dismiss him. Uh I, I gave 25% to the defense, but I led with Trey Waynes. Come on, man. Break up a pass. Come on.
2: What did he give up, 140
5: or something? Yeah. 130, 140. Listen, Tyree Kill's a great player. I totally get that, but break up a pass. Dude,
2: Tyree Kill, I know we've seen this clip a million times on TV today. That 91-yard run, Tyree Kill at a standstill 15 yards behind the play beat him to the goal
5: line. Oh, I know. And then pushed him. And then pushed him in. It's amazing. Yeah. 15% goes uh, to Stefanski and Kubiak. Again, Stefan Diggs, one catch, four targets. Really? 15% goes to Zim. You're the head coach. Your defense was not good. And then Royce's favorite, 11%, goes to offensive line and run blocking. Where did that come from? Like of all the storylines I didn't expect, run blocking was a problem? Yeah. And then 9%. They were the 30th-ranked run defense coming into yesterday. Yeah, and they had been better, but still. And that Chris Jones playing was huge for him. But still, I mean, run, your run blocking was really, really poor. And then 9%, Dan Bailey. <laughs> Classic Judd pie chart. And Cole here. quit 9.2%. I, I gave 9% to the punter <laughs> and kicker. Because, you know what? Make the extra point and kick the ball 45 yards. 27 yards. The game book. The game book initially thought it was a 37 yard punt, and then had to adjust it itself to go down to 27 yards.
2: So uh, it was a rough outing for the Vikings yesterday. You can find Vikings vent line from postgame, game Vikings vent line from this morning. Purple Daily. You can find all those on the Score North app, and it's just uh, just too bad. There's nothing else to hang your hat on if you're a Vikings fan. Oh wait.
0: When I listened
9: to the big show, they said, the biggest worry was is when Devonte Adams comes to, came back, what's this offense going to be? And we saw it tonight. He can't throw to anybody else. He's just everything, it's just utter confusion, and it's brutal. It's absolutely
3: brutal. I mean throw to somebody else. Yeah, in the first half, they but targeted look- in the first half, he targeted Devonte Adams, he was, he was the guy.
2: Packer-Vetland, courtesy of the fan in Milwaukee. Is that all we have? Got to have oh, more did, than did, that, uh, right? Did other teams lose in the NFC? I mean, I swear oh, team looks team like, Oh, looks like the Bears lost, too.
3: Okay. <laughs> Bear Bears. Every single down that we possess the ball, which we... Kill it. We would have maybe a possession or two more to get back in the game, but we don't have any urgency. We sit around in a lethargic manner just letting the clock burn while we're down. 19 nothing, then 19-7, then 19-14, and we never had a sense of urgency. At some point, it has to be hung on you-know-who's bald head. <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> Is I that your guy again?
6: Yes, that was Dan Hampton. I gotta again. say, there, I gotta was nothing,
8: there was nothing more pleasing than watching Sunday Night Football while also listening to that last night. It was amazing. Oh, man. So, so good. Crazy. Oh,
2: oh wait. when I'm getting word. Yeah, I'm getting word that... Yep, another team in the NFC oh, lost really? as well yesterday. It's oh. crazy. <laughs>
5: I've
3: been watching
1: the Lions for over 50 years, and I can tell you that I think
9: today will go down in infamy in regards to losing the Lion fan base and losing the locker room due to all of
4: the things you've listed in terms of being a fraud. Not only the, not only Patricia, but also Bob Quinn.
1: Nobody in the division very happy
2: how like, after all of like the last 50 years of Lions football the that's last it. 50 years of Lions football Lines drawn.
8: yesterday was the line in the sand yep. <laughs> not anymore not anymore that's a breaking you know, point they went 0-16 but no, this is it literally
6: their two greatest players of the modern era retired because they were so terrible but yesterday yesterday was the straw that broke the camel's back,
5: not Matt Mellon <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> Yesterday.
2: <laughs> well, I, need, I need more Bears vent line, though. Do you? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the best. I can't get another. Bears now. I the Bears.
3: Mean, yeah, we know Shaheen botched the the uh, the kickoff at the end, and he fumbled. And we, we got it. But you would have gave yourself a chance. You wouldn't have been in it. Where you had twenty eight seconds or whatever at the end of the game. You know when you were taking possession. What if you would have had four minutes? You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't have kicked that little squib. They would have kicked it into the end zone. All these things matter. A little means a lot. And you know what? Our little head coach is is coaching like a little small man. <laughs>
5: When Hampton talks, I can just have this vision of, of like, bratwurst particles
7: and pizza flying out
3: of his mouth, hitting the studio.
7: You know, we talk about, Danny, about Fox, how bad Fox was. Scared to death offense, didn't want to really do anything. This guy, Nagy, really takes the cake. And who do we have to thank for that? Pace. And I'm uh, there's more I could say, but I'm not. I'm I'm absolutely I'm fried, folks. I'm just sick and tired for 34 years doing this business and watching stupidity prevail. I'll say it again: watching stupidity prevail. That's what you saw today, the week before, the week before, the year before, the year before. This is Chicago, for God's sakes! The footing and the foundation of the National Football League. <laughs>
2: courtesy of wgn i feel that i feel that pain so good
6: they had nine total yards of offense in the first
2: half yesterday nine so nine so yeah today today sucks if you're a vikings fan but look around the division there's uh you know what some some other things going on too (laughs) fire yourself (laughs) be a man fire yourself (laughs) tom pelissero's nfl insights when we come back including Maybe the most ballsy question I've ever heard a reporter ask a head coach. We'll get Tom's
1: thoughts on it. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With
10: Rami.
1: The
4: one here for
3: a big game. Oh, look at this. Damian Williams.
0: Harrison Butker trying to be the hero. Game
4: over.
3: Well, the one on the far sideline uh, at the end of the game, I thought we should have made the play. We we're there. The one early was a double move that uh, we didn't play very good, and then uh, you know the tight end when Kelsey caught the ball on the on the inside breaking route late, uh, we should have. We were in good position. We just didn't make the play.
2: The highlights, courtesy of Fox, Mike Zimmer after the game. Mackie and Jub with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. If you missed P.J. Fleck last hour, you can find our podcast on that Score North app or Apple or Spotify. And we're going to bring in, we'll talk Vikings, and we'll dissect everything that happened between Vikings and Chiefs with our friend Tom Pellicero, NFL Network. Tom Pellicero's NFL Insights every week. But I want to play a clip for you, Tom, and the room here. It's like a six-second clip. And I think it's the ballsiest question I've ever heard a reporter ask a coach in a post-game press conference setting. All right, this is Adam Gaze at the podium. You guys ready for this? Oh yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. Does this win validate Thanks. Stephen
9: Ross's decision to fire you? I don't.
2: I'm not going to answer that. It's ridiculous. Does this win <laughs> validate Stephen Ross's decision to wow. fire you? Whoa. Uh, where is that on your Mount Rushmore of aggressive questions, Tom?
0: That's the first I've, I've heard of it. I'd need to hear it again to figure out who, uh, who asked it. The, uh, you know, the vitriol that Adam Gase has faced in New York, uh, you know, particularly by certain publications and certain beat writers is beyond anything that I can remember ever seen. I mean, the guy is eight games into his tenure. His starting quarterback had mono for half of them. Uh, the roster was in enough disarray that the GM got fired after the draft and replaced by somebody else. None of that is to exonerate Adam Gase, who, you know, yesterday had his team lose to a uh, Dolphins team that he used to coach and that has spent basically every moment since firing Gase, uh, cutting and trading all their good players. Uh it, it, it doesn't look great at this stage for Gase, but it's, I am. I do find it remarkable the the amount that Gase has been, you know, trucked out there. Really going back to his initial press conference and the reaction to his eyes. How he looked in the lights and and everything else. I mean, I know the guy. He's he's football all the way. He is very intense. He's salty. All that stuff. Uh, but short answer to your question, uh, that's a that's a pretty direct one. Although Judd and I have probably heard each other ask a few direct ones in our day too.
5: Just off to the side, not so. Uh frontal post game. hey on dump on the uh, ranking of dumpster fires tommy where do you put the cleveland browns now especially with expectations having been so high and this team now just seems to be uh uh stuck again if that's the right word
0: and that that one's surprising just because of the amount of talent that they have in that team the fact the quarterback you know, i was talking to somebody today who uh well-known developer of quarterbacks who just said he he's you know, he has not progressed. He's not gotten better. There's footwork issues. There's issues just with seeming to understand the you know, the responsibilities of the position. Uh they they've got issues. There's no question about it. Um, you know, we're talking about two first year head coaches, Adam Gates and Freddie Kitchens. Kitchens actually has much less experience than Gates. You know, twelve months ago he was a running back's coach basically. I can remember when they fired Hugh, but you know, prior to that he'd been a running back's coach in the NFL. Obviously a college quarterback, knows the game, all that stuff. Freddie you know, I, I enjoy uh, being around Freddie. I haven't talked to him before. It's a lot though. And and right now they got to figure out a way to to exit their tailspin. You know, certainly you have, you have two fan bases and two owners right now who for somewhat different reasons are already questioning the hiring of a guy, you know, 10, 11 months ago. And, uh, the next seven, eight weeks here are going to dictate how everybody outside of Washington, which already made its move is going to, uh, move forward on some of these coaches who are clearly uh you know clearly under fire right now. Since
6: we're down this road Tom of underachieving teams and the fate of their head coaches, I've heard people say those two guys we just talked about on the hot seat, I don't hear the same about Matt Nagy. Is is he safe? Did that did that coach of the year in twelve and four season in his rookie head coaching year did that earn him some credibility there in Chicago with the front office?
0: it would really shock me if Matt Nagy were not back in, in 2020 for in part because of what you said which is that you know he's coming off a season where they won the division they got to the playoffs you know you put Anthony Lynn of the Chargers in the same category Chargers have ripped up a couple wins in a row but you know out of the gate they were whatever they were two and five they had some injuries and all that but they've been really good a year ago you know it's, it's a 16 game season it It goes on for a while. There's nothing to say that the Bears can't, um, you know, potentially turn a corner here. Nagy is also there um, in large part because of his expertise with quarterbacks. And in year one, Mitch Trubisky had drastic improvement. You you look statistically right now. I mean, I don't even need to analyze it. Just look statistically. uh, Trubisky is not as good this year. The offense is not as good. They're just, they seem to be, you know, scrapping and clawing to try to find some answers at this point. Even when Chase Daniel was in there, you know, Chase is a legend as a backup quarterback. All the money that he's made to, you know, barely start any games. And he gave him a little juice in that first meeting against the Vikings when Trubisky got hurt early. But following week, it's not as if they set the world on fire on offense when they played the Raiders over in London. They just they seem to have some issues offensively. So I'm not surprised to see, hear uh, Nagy deflecting some of the criticism from Trubisky. Based on everything I have heard, there are zero indications that they are even thinking of. Benching Trubisky and going to Daniel. Uh, and part of that, you know, for one thing, they're still in the mix right now. They're not completely buried in the standings. But number two, it's big picture, man. If you bench the number two overall pick for a journeyman backup halfway through his third season, there is no turning back. You can't come back from that. Uh, this is a big picture decision as well as you know, the immediate decision that impacts the Bears team, that if you look at their remaining schedule, they got four games in the NFC North. They've already won one against the Vikings, so they certainly have the time and the uh, resources, the opportunities to play catch-up here. But they also face, I believe, the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the Rams. I mean, they got a brutal, one of the hardest schedules left in the rest of the league, and, you know, it's going to take all their muster offensively and defensively, or don't forget Vic Fangio's gone, Chepagato took over, and they just got to play better across the board. Yeah.
2: Tom Pellicero, NFL Network. It's Tom Pellicero's NFL Insights. Yesterday, was it just felt like a huge missed opportunity for the Vikings against, uh, against a quarterback not named Pat Mahomes, and I get that it's still an Andy Reid offense, and it's a road game, and you're playing on grass against a winning opponent, which the Vikings are winless since 2014, but it still felt like a missed opportunity. What was your main Vikings-related takeaway off yesterday's loss?
0: I, I felt like it, once again, just seemed as if they were a little flat out of the gate. Cousins misses a couple of throws in the early going. You know, he did rebound. He made some throws later in the game. But, you know, you think of the deep ball to digs that he, you know, overthrows a little bit later in the game. There were there were a few opportunities that they just didn't take advantage of in that regard. It reminded me a little of the Chicago game. But they they played better in spurts, too. You know, the running game was a battle. They had favorable opportunities to throw the ball. Uh, they tried to do that. They just didn't connect on them. They never really seemed to gather that momentum. And then defensively, you know, there's positions where, and I listened to a little of Mike Zimmer's press conference today, you know, there's times where Trey Waynes has a guy covered and he just doesn't make the play on the ball. You know, there were a couple of balls to, to Tyree Kill where it seemed like they had the opportunity. They didn't do it. Harrison Smith broke up one. Uh, and then, you know, all that said, and this kind of speaks to other losses the Vikings have had this season. For as much as we poke holes in the offensive line and Pat Elfline struggle, Cousins missed throws, they couldn't run the ball, all that stuff, it's still 16-10 to on the road in Kansas City midway through the third quarter. They have a bad run fit, and Damian Williams runs 80-odd yards for a touchdown. That flipped the game. Right there, that that made it, you know, far more difficult. And it's still, the Chiefs still had to kick a long field goal to win it. You know, you, you really go back as bad as they played early in Green Bay. They lost that game by, I think it was five points. They played horrible in Chicago, but they were still in that game. And then yesterday, you know, Patrick Mahomes or no Patrick Mahomes, that, that's still a really talented Chiefs team with a ton of weapons. They might have more team speed than anybody, and they do, even with Frank Clark, have a big physical uh, defensive front; those guys gave um, you know the Vikings interior in particular a lot of problems. Between Josh Klein taking penalties, Wine getting pushed around a little bit, um, those guys you know caused some you know caused some issues for them. I, I didn't think it was a bad loss by any stretch. It's just one of those ones where they probably roll back through the tape. You know they can see about 15, 20 plays where if they make a few of those better, uh, they're coming out of there with another big win.
5: Do you know, Tom, what Kirk thing drove me nuts, though? This absolutely, be- because it's it's inexcusable. It's third down, and Kirk has all of this God-given green grass in front of him to go run and slide, and he slides at five yards, and then comes back and it's like, yeah, I just misjudged it. It's like, dude, these are the things that can win you games if, if you get... If you get seven yards there, you're essentially at the 50. That's the type of thing that I don't think the elite quarterbacks do. They don't accidentally slide too early and then say, well, it's too bad, but no. Because the Chiefs come down there, and I believe on the next drive, get a field goal and take a 10-7 lead at that point. That's the type of thing that drives me nuts. Because it's a small thing, but it ends up being a very big thing.
0: No, I and I can't remember the exact point at which that happened in the game or what the what the score was at that time but you know certainly that's one where you look at it you just go what in the world is is the guy doing he just I, I think he's telling the truth he misjudged it you know the the thing that would get me is with the way that the rules have changed you can dive head first there and they still can't hit you but all you have to do is dive forward instead of sliding you know, and he's got the first down. But you know, add that to the list of things I rattled off. There's just there's all these individual missed mistakes. We all want to paint with a broad brush and you know, if you lost, it had to be, you know, a disaster. They got to fix X, Y, and Z. Just make, you know, Cousins doesn't slide too early. It's something as simple as that. Maybe they extend that drive, maybe they get points out of it. They're in these games. They got another one big one next week against Dallas. Don't sleep on Denver before the bye. If you can come out of there with one or two wins in those games, you're gonna be sitting in a pretty good position eight and four, or nine and three, you know, heading into the bye. And I would think that, you know, given the, or maybe I'm miscalculating that slightly. What are they, six and three right now? Six They're and, eight three, and yep. three, Eight and three or seven and four going into the bye. That's You're in pretty good position in a, you know, competitive NFC. And there's every reason to think when you have games like this where you're not, not getting your butts kicked up and down, you're just, you're missing plays. We've seen Cousins hit those throws. We've seen them know where the sticks are. We've seen them fit those runs. Um, you 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 certainly can make the argument that this has the potential to be a really, really good team. They're just doing some not good things at some pivotal moments in the game.
6: One trend that has developed, though, Tom, is four or five games now, we've seen teams able to move the ball through the air pretty easily against this Vikings team. If that secondary and the defense as a whole isn't elite or close to it, I don't know that Kirk Cousins can play at high enough a level to compensate for that. Do you think he can?
0: Well, that's where they, you know, Mike Zimmer will say that you know thought they threw the ball a lot early in the game. Part of that's because when you run the football, you turn the clock, you you try to keep yourself out of high-scoring types of games and play to your defense. Uh, yeah, that, that was not the best, you know, day defending. But how many teams have a really good day defending the the Chiefs' passing game? I mean, they only threw for like 230 yards in the game. It's not as if they gave up 400. They just yeah, they had some, you know, key plays there. The deep ball to, to Tyreek Hill, which I think came right after uh, Smith broke up that ball to Hill. There's also the jump ball over Waynes, where he just, it's a good player, goes up and make a play. Sammy Watkins, I mean, that's a heck of a one-handed catch that he makes crossing. And again, I'm sure there's things that the Vikings could do better. You'd hope that your pass rush could generate a little bit more pressure uh, than perhaps they did yesterday. Um Yeah, I don't know that, I don't know that I would, you know, extend that out. I'll be interested to see against a very different type of offense next week at Dallas. They're a tough place to play. That's a spot where I'd be more worried about, can they stop the run? Are they going to be able to fit that thing up, keep that physical Cowboys offensive line from setting the tone, Ezekiel Elliott from, you know, getting behind his pad and setting the tone in that game? That to me is going to be the biggest thing there. If Dak Prescott beats you dropping back 40 times, you probably can on some level live with that.
2: Uh, Tom Pellicer, last thing for you here. We need your in-depth breakdown of Baker Mayfield's mustache and uh, trench coat look after the game yesterday.
0: Well, I was uh, slightly confused just by seeing the transformation because I I had noticed it. I I was at home yesterday. We didn't have game day mornings. We had the live game on from London. So I was watching the pregame shows, and Baker shows up with a beard. He's got a goatee during the game, and then is straight up 70s sailor uh post game <laughs> I, I mean aaron he was, he was yacht rock him.
2: all in on the yacht
7: rock look after the game
0: <laughs> we've seen aaron Rodgers have those evolutions but it's not normally in one day it takes place over the the course of a week i mean between that and the receivers having to change their shoes at halftime it's just i don't i don't want to make too much of it and i'm not trying to make fun of anybody but it's just when things are not going well like they aren't for the browns right now the fact that we're talking about mustaches and shoes and the color of the uniforms, it just creates this kind of vibe that's not not quite adding up. But he can be, he can have whatever facial hair he wants if he if he starts playing a little bit better than he has to this point in the season.
5: Trench coat was huge, though. That was a great. I love that look. The
0: person who posted the comparison between that. And uh, Daniel Stern's character in Home Alone, I thought was the best. Yeah, agreed. Um, totally the, agree. the Wet band That was a pretty good one. Yep. That was good. <laughs> and just, uh, watch out for the, just watch out for the iron coming down from the ceiling. <laughs> yep.
6: I thought Randy Marsh from South Park was also a very, very yeah. strong comparison for Baker
2: Mayfield.
7: <laughs> it's amazing.
2: <laughs> All right, Tom.
7: Thanks, good Tom. stuff.
2: We'll catch up with you again next week, man. Sounds good, fellas. All right. Tom Pellicero from NFL Network. Tom <laughs> Pellicero's NFL Insights. I
5: love that look from Baker. <laughs> I mean, it was slightly scary, but it was a great look too.
2: Dude, when you look at the progression of what
6: that dude looked like when he got to Cleveland and what. Looks he like looked, a president. It's like the reverse Tom Brady. The aging on president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's 37 now.
6: Do you think Tom Brady sucks the life and the youth out of young quarterbacks in the NFL Whoa, when they get there? fuels himself. That <laughs> yeah. sounds, that sounds exactly. like a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you.
2: Because that guy is reversing the aging process wow. while Baker Mayfield, like Judd said, is aging like a president. Amazing. Let's actually take one quick call here before we get to our friend Josh because Mark has been on hold from South Dakota for a long time. Mark, you got about 60 seconds, man. Thanks for calling. Go
0: ahead. You bet. First of all, how great is Randy? Love him.
2: Randy in Cottage having, Grove, yeah,
0: he's the best. Yeah, he's awesome. Judd, having to do the Notre Dame opening, there's no chance that Urban Meyer, with his egotistical as he is, yep. doesn't want that job. I don't think P.J. leaves. Okay. And lastly, Bill, your point about about expecting a quarterback to be able to do the things you're talking about, it's 100% on point. Romney's on point saying that this isn't the guy. The, the pie chart of blame for this game is 100% Rick Spielman. If, you, if Matthew Collar can find the data to tell him that he's not the guy, an organization should be able to find that, too. Thanks a lot.
2: Mark, thank you for the phone call. Mark's going 100% Rick Spielman on his pie chart of blame. So
5: he wants Rick fired, then.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a real interesting two-month stretch here. Oh, yeah. So, Most definitely. So uh, if you want full coverage from Kansas City, including you can also find video Sage Rosenfels is in Kansas City with Matthew Collar, and they broke this thing down on our social media uh, feeds, just at ScoreNorth on Twitter, ScoreNorth on Facebook, also Instagram. YouTube has been growing like crazy for us, and Vikings Ventline in podcast form along with Purple Daily on the Score North app, Apple and Spotify. Full coverage, the best Vikings postgame coverage you're going to find. And if you're ever in doubt where to find things, ScoreNorth.com is a great hub for all things that we do here. Let's come back, and I know we've already gone through most of the things <laughs> Are we regarding the Vikings, but we do Vikings nitpicks and broadcast nitpicks every single week on the show, and we're going to leave that on the schedule when we come back here. We can open up more uh, phone lines, too, here. 651-646-8255. <laughs>
8: It wasn't not want to take a hit. I I just did not realize I, I hadn't got there yet. I uh, what I needed to do was look, you know, look left and get a feel for it, or dive head first. When you dive head first, you usually can get a yard or two more just by the nature of the way you you go to the ground.
0: Uh, I was just feeling like I had climbed and and had gotten.
2: Well, we touched on that it was Kirk Cousins talking about the late first quarter, late first quarter. Or actually, it was early second quarter right. is uh, when the third and sixth play happened. Just close to midfield, and he has daylight, and he, he's like, everyone watching, you could tell even the players on the field were just like, dude, what are you doing? He starts his slide two yards before the first down marker, and the Vikings wind up punting it away. The game was tied at seven, and that's a good segue into this segment we do every single week, and we've already covered almost all of the negative things that happened, but there's more if you start digging beneath the surface. Vikings nitpicks. There's a lot left, actually. Vikings nitpicks. Well... You brought this up with Pelicero. Nitpick number one for me is you can't just like, that's not just a play that, oh man, we'll get him next time. You get, there's a finite number of drives in a game. You know, it's going to be pretty close. It's a road game.
6: Of anybody on the field who can, who can make that mistake, the quarterback is the absolute last guy on the field who can do that. You have to know game situation. You have to know where you are on the field, where you need to get to on the field. Like that is an absolutely Inexcusable uh, mistake by a quarterback.
2: Yeah, inexcusable. Yeah. So that was uh that was that was nitpick top of the nitpick list for me yesterday. What about you guys? What other what other things happened either on, in the broadcast or in the game that you said? All right, have we, we talked need to dive into this
6: on this show about how bad Trey Wayne's was yesterday? We've touched on it, but we haven't really done a whole lot on. It. I mean, that dude was getting picked on, and it's been Xavier Rhodes for a while now. And I talked with Collar today about the fact that even though Xavier Rhodes wasn't on the highlight reels necessarily getting burned yesterday like he has been in the past few weeks, they are doing things to cover up for Xavier Rhodes that's leaving guys like Trey Waynes in sort of vulnerable positions or, or out on an island or playing out of position. But yesterday he was the guy who got picked on, who got targeted, and effectively so. Matt Moore was able to throw the ball basically to whoever Trey Wayne's was covering or whatever zone Trey Wayne's was covering at any given time. And uh you just can't have that.
5: Can I give you two?
2: Sure. Judd literally just like pulled out a stack of papers from his well, notebook. I got the
5: play-by-play so. and then I got my my notes that, that I took from yesterday's game. Uh my first one is Judd this. Judd kills a tree every show. Yeah, and it doesn't really concern me. That's a sad <laughs> thing. Well, I don't have kids. I'm not going to so uh my first one is this. Neither do I. I still recycle. I know, but once I'm dead, (laughs) it's all over anyway. Um, My first one is this. Adam Thielen played. And the first pass that Cousins threw poorly to him that he missed on, if you go back and watch that one, he sort of pivots oddly. And that pass is bad, but Thielen ordinarily catches that pass. And I think he aggravated the hamstring on what would amount to, I believe, the second play from scrimmage of that game. Why was he playing? And now, he should not play again at the earliest until after the bye, December 2nd, in Seattle. He should not play again. Like, these are... he, You can't have him blow his hamstring out, okay? But this was clearly rushed then. Like, if you can't make it through two plays, then you shouldn't be playing. I don't care how competitive. It's a hamstring. Hamstrings are complete bears. They probably should keep you out a month. And now, he should be done playing this month. But that's complaint one. Uh, Complaint two... And this is probably goes a little bit to the quarterback, but it's play calling. Vikings get the ball back, 747 left in the fourth quarter. They're up 2320. They're at their own 28. And it's again a drive that just begs for you to take the ball and keep the ball and do something. Pass low to CJ Hamm on first down, which should have been a run because you're trying to eat clock. Play two, second and ten again from your twenty-eight. Three-yard loss by uh, Cook, okay. Third and 13, now you're back at your 25, and you run a draw to Delvin Cook, and then you punt. Uh, what's the thought process there? Like, we've spent the past month being like, this offense now makes sense, right? This offense, it makes so much sense, and this is great, and this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Why on first down are you throwing a pass to your fullback? And by the way, too, Stefanski, Kubiak, Mackie, Rami, Zolgad all know that Kirk Cousins, and I don't know why, I can't explain it, but it's true, if you had said, Kirk, two ideas here. One is short pass to C.J. Ham, or play two is dagger them deep to digs. Kirk Cousins is going to throw a better ball trying to dagger them deep to digs. It's true. He doesn't, that short pass, He sort. I don't know why, but he freaks out. Yeah. So what the hell's that play call?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, even if you just look at, and here's another nitpick, I get that Stefan Diggs, once Adam Thielen was out of the game, it just, it, it probably became a lot easier schematically to just take Stefan Diggs out of the game. But when I look at of the 35 targets in yesterday's game, CJ Ham and Stefan <laughs> Diggs had the same number of targets. And I don't like that. I'd ra- I literally you don't ra- like
6: that. <laughs> I mean, like,
2: how about that? I know. <laughs> wow. Like, I'd rather <laughs> yeah. you take the four. The the well, let, I'm not saying you can't ever target C.J. Ham, and he did have 37 yards on two catches. So again, so a couple of these worked very well. He had the yeah the 32 yard reception at one point. So I'm not saying you can't ever throw the ball to C.J. Ham, right. but it's just a I just I almost feel like you should go into every game and say this dude's getting targeted nine to 12 times, mm-hmm. regardless. Just even if Randy it's... Randy
5: ratio, I guess, yeah. I just don't, but he can run different routes too. That's what gets me is, okay, so they're taking Stefan Diggs away deep. Okay, cool. Second half, guess what we do? We adjust. Now we try and hit him on crossing routes. But the short pass to CJ Ham, which basically that's a pass and a situation that we know Kirk really struggles with.
2: Uh, real quick, back to the to the Kirk Cousins sliding nitpick, Jonathan. Can you cue up that audio from Purple Daily today? Sage Rosenfels was giving his thoughts with Matthew Collar about Kirk and sort of the brain fart sliding in that situation, two yards short.
7: Kirk got up and like looked over the first down marker and I think he even couldn't believe it. Like we all do those things. They, they happen like a bonehead thing. You want to go out there, you know, they tell you to slide all the time, but you know, that that football is such a situational game. You have to have in your mind third and 4 and when I take it off like, "Ooh, I'm 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 a diving for this first down." And I've got this like sort of belief that that slide yesterday is sort of the same reason Kirk rarely brings the team back in the fourth quarter.
3: Yes, it's like I agree. the same
7: thing. Yes, I agree. And I don't know how how that like like, bleeds down to the rest. Like, if I'm Elfline, or if I'm uh, Stephon Diggs, or if I'm Riley Reef, and, you know, everyone has to do their job, but when your quarterback slides on third and four, a yard short, that like that, that, that's like an injury. That hurts. You know what I mean? Like, why yes. did he do that? You know? And then that, I feel like, somehow sort of bleeds to why it's not clutch at the end of the game.
2: Amen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Say Rosenfels, who, by the way, is going to bring... A hundred times more credibility with that opinion than any of us because he played for 12 years in the NFL. It's such a spot on thing to say and to extrapolate beyond that too, because being a quarterback is more than just the mechanics of throwing footballs to people and calling plays. You're a leader, whether you, whether you're great at it or not, people are looking to you. It's, there's got to be a certain level of attention to detail on everything. And if, and again, like, There's going to be people that say you're just, you're extrapolating way too much out of one play, but that one play speaks volumes about a guy, right? If you're not fully locked in in that situation and you know exactly what you need to do and you're not, you're not thinking this is the line and I'm going to over, even if I'm not a hundred percent sure where the line is, I've got room to dive head first so that I can at least slide for three extra yards. If you're not thinking about those details, what other details aren't you thinking about? Can I say that's what I want to
0: know?
6: It's like I said, inexcusable for any anybody else on that field. Like you see, receivers run routes that come up short of the first down in a situation like that, and that drives you nuts. But the quarterback is the absolute dude on the field who needs to know everything about the game situation, time on the clock,
5: score, and plus he can only be touched down there. Yes, like he can dive headfirst because he can't because nobody can can legally pretty much take him on. So once he goes, once he makes that move, it's over. But here's how does he not just
6: look over and see the first down marker? There wasn't a defender near him to, like, send him into a panic. He's like, gotta get
5: on the ground now. Like, there was no reason for that. But I think I know, and it is the definitive Cousins conundrum. It's this. And it's a non-fixable problem. His lack of awareness... In situations that require it for his position, is startling. He doesn't feel pressure. And NBC did a great thing with Brady l- last night. And oh, dude, he scrapes
2: like a PlayStation controller. And
5: he's you know he is a slow person, but my God, they showed him like moving around uh would, would yeah. be rushers and just he's literally it, it's as if he's on skates it's sliding ridiculous. in the pocket. And I'm not asking Cousins to do that, but just the awareness. Think about it. If if we were to make a list and say okay these are cousins lack of awareness problems and now here's the bin of what he's aware of you give me the right hand bin awareness what does cousins do where you're like oh yeah yeah that's awareness
2: like he's above average he's above average like sniffing that thing out or something yeah just give me that list the thing well if if you if you just made the list based on things that he's above average at throwing a deep ball is definitely on that list. But think about all the things that have to happen for you to literally get the clean pocket necessary to step into well, a throw 40 yards down the field. Robbie's point, you yeah. know.
5: Perfect. He got... he needs perf- perfection around him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're right.
2: So, just a rough game for the Vikings yesterday and it's just it's too bad. There's just nothing else to be happy about if you're a Vikings fan. <laughs> Oh, other than the uh, other teams in the division losing yesterday, how about some more Bears vent lines? Why are they
6: all Bears? Every team in a, a Bears.
7: You haven't done a damn thing but spin around like a top, like a dumb, bumbling, stupid top flipping around in the room, and that's a fact. I'm telling you, I'm so, I'm so damn aggravated and sitting there watching this go on, game after game after game. And nobody takes this guy Nagy. How? How can you play the what? The eighth game of a sixteen-game season, the first half, and you basically gain one yard? Are you kidding me?
2: (laughs) Courtesy of Have
7: we ever played a caller from
8: Chicago? That's my favorite. (laughs)
6: I don't know if they take calls or if it's just those two guys <laughs> using their damn minds. They say they hours. take calls,
8: but it's just <laughs> all Lord. them just raging. I mean, you to
6: express that anger better. Has more bears?
7: And, and, and let me say this about about our defense. I know they're all going to say, "Yeah, we're sticking together. We love each other. We hug. We're all brothers." We're we got, got each that. other's back. I yeah, we got yeah. I got your back. You got my back. Everybody's got everybody's back. Liars.
5: George went and that routine didn't do this justice.
4: Go, Matt, go. This is one of those games where I would just open it up. I would have started running jet streams, reverses, probably flea flicker from time to time, all sorts of stuff (laughs) to keep them all balanced. They did absolutely nothing. To be unpredictable, uh, to keep that defense off balance. I mean, sometimes you just have to be that way. You just have to kind of get out of your comfort zone and get out of the norm. Go,
8: Pat, go. Run jet streams. That's goes, I think that's jet what I thought he said. Jet streams. Run the barometer. I'd run the seven forty seven. I'd run the DC ten. Got to make sure my dew points are correct. <laughs>
1: Matt Patricia is a fraud, and Matt Patricia needs to be whacked immediately. Because if you allow Whack. this guy to come back for a third like season, a you're going to waste next year, too. It's bad enough that he wasted this year and last year.
2: Oh, thank God for Ooh. Bears, Packers, and Lions. Vent line that was uh, that was the ticket in Detroit. I believe. Jonathan
5: I think Bears has moved to the top of my list now. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's got to be. Those guys
2: are really it's good. <laughs> so uh, we'll wrap with Brycey <laughs> when we come back. Mackie and Job with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. Luther Brookdale Toyota is here with some great deals on 2019s and 2020s. You get the best combination of great service, people, expertise state-of-the-art facility, and durable vehicles. Here's a deal that ends in about three and a half hours. If you're listening live right now, stop in on your way home from work, corner of 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and uh, maybe you can test drive the 2019 Camry, which has an amazing, sporty, new, sleek exterior. The 2020 Corollas, $179 a month for 36 months. That's $179 a month for 36 months. That's a three-year lease with just nineteen ninety nine dollars down at signing, plus taxes and fees. Uh, And you can find out uh, why people are raving about these new Camrys and Corollas and the gas mileage, the technology, the safety features. 694 on Brooklyn
8: Boulevard and Toyota.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download and news coming out. Just a couple minutes ago, Rocco Baldelli is one of three contenders for the AL Manager of the Year. 101 wins for his twin squad the other two managers up for al manager of the year yankees aaron boone and the Rays kevin cash twins fans let us know over at score north who you think should win the al manager of the year over at score north on twitter at skor north on twitter that's been your score north download now back to the final segment of the day of mackie and judith rami
5: tcl broadcast studios time to wrap with Roycey. what's up patrick how are you today
9: Uh, I I remember being at the press conference in 2013 when they introduced us to Cole Stewart, and they were so excited about (laughs) drafting uh, in the fourth round Stephen Gonsalves that they brought him in there, too. The uh, two of them, uh, they they got uh, Gonsalves in the fourth round, but... uh, uh, overpaid him for a fourth-rounder because uh, he was going to go to, uh, I don't know which major college he was going to go to, but they were excited about both of them, and they're both gone today. days. So uh, young pitchers, man, that is there's no bigger crapshoot in sports, I don't think, than taking 18-year-old kids out of high school as pitchers.
2: Pat, does uh, Cole Stewart make your Mount Rushmore of
9: draft busts? <laughs> For the, for the uh, twins pretty dang close, yeah, fourth overall uh adam Johnson was uh, two overall wasn 't he two overall uh when yeah. he didn 't make it he was another pitcher uh uh yeah there's uh we we could come up with quite a, a few of them uh uh Tyler J, I think I would even put ahead of oh. Cole Stewart because of who came next. Yeah, uh, when uh, two thirds of the twin scouting department was saying take Andrew Benintendi, and uh, uh, somehow they decided to take a relief pitcher from Illinois, Tyler J, instead of Benintendi. That's that was six and seven. That was uh, that's a disaster too. You could, but you know what? That Mount Rushmore would be mostly mostly pitchers, wouldn't it?
2: Uh, B.J. Garby might make a make yes, a case. he would. Yes, he would. He was a top five pick.
9: One of my favorite all time Wayne Hathaway stories. Uh, You know, Wayne Hathaway, uh, who's still with us by the grace of God. Uh, The twins, uh, I don't know what to call him. I guess uh, he was the guy who was in charge of telling him how good they ain't, as he said. Uh, But he was a former equipment manager. And they, uh, Gardy, at his birthday one spring, the one spring, I think Garvey was only with the twins for one spring. And on Wayne's birthday they before the they had a little clubhouse meeting before the day started and Gardy said, uh, here Wayne, they all gave him a big hand and he said, Wayne, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, I want B J Garvey to hit two fifty <laughs>
2: <laughs> Big fella, man.
9: What was it was it
2: was it Big was it, Fella? Who's we'll around with him? Yeah. Who was who the one the uh it's not your fault, kid, it's the it's the oh, that was Hathaway.
9: That was a Hathaway. He'd the be 100%. rubbing up a pitcher's arm. That was the twins were so well funded then. Their equipment manager also served as the trainer and if somebody got broke a leg or something, they'd put him seven to the hospital. But uh yeah, he used to rub up the pitcher's arm and say, See in the second anybody <laughs> before the game and uh, <laughs> and uh somebody'd strike out and uh and he would say, uh, you know, that's ah, not your fault. It's the scout's so. <laughs> idea.
2: <laughs> so, Jake Jaco We've been football heavy here uh, for good reason, but Jaco Darisi, the Twins, are floating him the seventeen point eight million dollar one year qualifying offer. He has ten days to figure it out if he
9: wants to take it. You, you got to take it, don't you? It's a lot I of mean, money because I otherwise you end up in that never never land. Next. February still looking for a job, don't, unless you're, you know, unless you're willing to take forty for three or something. You know, I I don't know if he will get. Can he get somebody to give him fifteen million a year for three years? Maybe I don't. I know. wouldn't count on it. No, not with the draft choice attached to it. I I don't. And with the Twins, it's a uh, it's probably is it a second rounder because of where the Twins finished? Is it a not a first rounder but a second rounder? I, I don't, don't know. know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but. Uh, with the draft choice attached, he better take the seventeen point eight. If I was him, I'd take the money and then try to negotiate a longer term deal with the Twins. Where you, if you take the money, then you're negotiating from a real strength because they're going to try to figure out a way not to pay a seventeen eight and maybe pay you fourteen a year for three years or something, or five, you know, fifteen a year for three years. So that you you could negotiate with them, but I I, I got to think he's going to take it to. The the lesson of these last few off seasons for you know well. Marginal uh, uh, prospects, uh, I mean, mar- marginal uh, players in the East. He's definitely one of those, has been not to get their deal. So okay. I have to wait till, I mean, if Lance Lynn had to wait till June, you might have to wait till June.
6: Do you think players and their agents have gotten that message, or do you think the, the standoff continues this year and both sides stare, try and stare each other down into signing deals earlier?
9: Uh, boy, I don't know. I mean it's, uh if if it hasn't gotten through to these guys now, I don't know when it's gonna that's gonna of course be the big uh, hang up i think in the next negotiation is the uh, qualifying offer and the the compensation that's attached to the offer. although if you don't attach the compensation there's a lot of, a lot fewer guys are gonna be getting the uh the qualifying offer I don't know if I was out of Rizzi and and I had his marginal stuff I would uh, you know he pitched well I'm not saying anything. But uh he's gotta be really fine. I'd take the seventeen eight and say thank you very much. Yeah. Uh Pat,
2: the Vikings are winless in Mike Zimmer's tenure as head coach against winning teams on grass. <laughs> what do you make of that?
9: I don't know. Did I also see that he's thirteen and twenty six against winning teams?
5: Is that hmm, true? It's very possible, yeah. Is
9: that, that I, could don't be. Know. I don't know. Isn't doesn't didn't hasn't that preceded him? Guys, hasn't the Vikings been awful? Yes. Uh, for a long time playing outside.
2: Yeah, you know? I, I think it's an invite I think you just you get used to playing inside on turf soft. and maybe it's a soft thing. This Who team knows?
9: this team's been soft for
5: years, Patrick.
9: Well, I I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't classify this defense as soft, I don't think. I mean I'm never gonna go up to Lindell Joseph and say, Ah, you're a big softy uh but you, I, sure? you know, I, I I don't know. I you know they're they're not a grinded out club. Uh, you know, but there aren't many of those left anyway. I I don't know. New England's. I would say until this year, New England's kind of been soft. They've never been real physical. They've been you know they 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 just outsmart you and, and a lot of finesse. And nah, eh, they've won a few outdoors in their day. So I, I don't know what it is. It's uh, it's uh, something, but. Uh, you know, we. Uh, it is funny how much blame Zim's taken for yesterday's game. So, But it was there anything more predictable? Now, I wasn't why. I couldn't watch it. I had another thing going. But I heard about his halftime interview. His complaint? We're not running the ball enough. Yeah, we got
5: That's too great. cute, he said. We're getting too
9: cute. We got to run, yeah, run the ball more. Yeah, Zim. Well, you're the head come coach. Come on, come on. But you got to think that you got to give Kansas City a lot of credit because they basically said uh, – we're going to stop the run here, and, you know, our run defense stinks. So we're going to have to uh, put a lot of guys near the line of scrimmage and stop the run and take our chances with the passing game, and it worked out for them.
5: And Stefan Diggs catches one pass for four yards. Who covered him? Uh, a combination of uh, Jack Tatum, Ronnie Lott, and... Uh, Rod Woodson. Yeah, I was going to say, it was about five Hall of Famers must have yeah, covered him. Steph them. was back on the sideline, too, screaming, right? What's that? Uh, Did yeah. they show Steph screaming on the sideline, somebody told me? Yeah, they, they showed Kirk screaming at one point, but they showed Steph on uh, with the tablet out trying to explain to Kirk, I think, that he should throw him the bleeping football.
9: Okay, yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> Which you was know, fair. I mean, I was going too sweet between uh, Steph and... Uh, ever since his uh, his boycott there that week. Uh, it's nice to see him get worked up. He's a wide receiver, fellas. That's what he is. Uh, Judd, you you want basically Thielen to be uh, uh, put, in a, you yes. know, put in hospice until next season. <laughs> well, no, because I don't want him to ultimately die. Listen, I just put bubble wrap around him
5: and say you're not going to leave the house for a month. Okay. All
9: right. Well, it didn't... Uh, didn't last too long. Those things are... Uh, Two plays. You know, the one thing about never having been an athlete, I never had to experience a hamstring pull, so I don't <laughs> know what uh, what those are like. But uh, they must be tricky items because uh, how many thousands of guys thought they were ready and then weren't. So. Yeah.
2: All right, Pat, Hey, we got like a minute and a half left. I want to play you a six-second soundbite. Uh, this is a reporter asking Adam Gaze a question after losing to his former team, the Dolphins. All right, listen closely.
8: Does this one validate Stephen Ross's
2: decision to fire you? I don't. I'm not going to answer that. It's ridiculous. Does this loss validate Stephen <laughs> Ross's decision to
9: fire you? Have you ever heard, heard a more aggressive question? To agitate him, don't you? What's that?
5: I think that fella came with an agenda yeah.
9: to agitate him, and that's what happens when you're coaching in New York, pal.
5: My guess is that guy works for the Post, but that's or just the daily a guess. Or yeah. One the two. No. No, tabloid. Right before that, he asked him if he was embarrassed.
9: <laughs> by, well, by the thing. results of that game. Yeah. Well, I always told you guys a story about my buddy Mike Tom Keegan when he worked at the Post. I'll go real quick here. But Daryl Strawberry was playing for the Saints, and he was under orders to go to St. Paul and put enough heat on George to get... George to sign Strawberry so they could have him on the back page of the tabloid, and he basically spent two weeks here beating up George to get Strawberry signed. That's journalism right there. there. it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Pat, we will talk to you tomorrow. See you. All right. That's wrapping with Roycey, Patrick Royce, Star Tribune. It's good stuff.
5: Can you imagine New York Daily that News. to somebody? No. Daily News. No, a, I couldn't so have said that to someone. <laughs> it, it was, Absolutely not. <laughs> it was a, a reporter from the Daily News. Bravo. I found it right here. Yeah, Bravo. Dude, I got so uncomfortable just hearing
6: that question, I wanted to crawl under the (laughs) console.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's marvelous.
2: I've heard Judd ask some... I don't know if he's gone that aggressive, but I've seen Judd in his element as a former beat writer asking some tough questions. By the way... Yeah, that one's really aggressive. If you misprove you suck and shouldn't have a job (laughs) or a family... (laughs) Are you sure
5: you're qualified to hold this job? Yeah.
2: Uh, P.J. Fleck joined us earlier in the show, and you can find all of that and our Vikings Chiefs breakdown on the Score North app or anywhere you find Mackie and Jump with Rami via podcast. you guys.
10: Why are they a thing? Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.